okay, this is Talking With Strangers, I'm here with Casey. And Casey, tell them how we met. I can't remember actually how we met. So we met, I think you were in the Dunster D Hall, I want to say talking to Cena. Uh, and then, gosh, I don't remember the specifics. I do remember that you had one of those personalities, you know, where you're like big but not in an obtrusive way and you draw people in and so like... I have long passed the point in like my Harvard College career where I say hello to strangers in the D hall, and I, because of because of the way you seemed and the way and the fact that you were talking to a good friend of mine, I think I rolled up and like joined you guys, and then I'm pretty sure either you or Cena explained that you were like a transfer student into Dunster, and we talked about how you were like in the house and all that boilerplate stuff before like quickly getting to the fact that you had this super cool podcast project. So yeah, now several months later, I finally like made time to be here. Dude, yeah, I, cool. I appreciate it. I know it's hard just to take time out of your day. You're doing stuff. So you said you were economics concentrator. So I mean, what drew you to want to start that? Uh, I think the econ decision was a practical one. So I came in studying gov and studying international relations, and I think like IR classes are definitely where most of my passion is. But the ECK department is also exciting, especially now that I'm in seminar classes. But I decided to start ECK because with an ECK degree, you can work in the public sector and you can work for NGOs, but you can also do private business. Whereas with a Gov degree, it's more like single use. And I'm not quite sure what I want to do like later in life, so I wanted to have all my options open. Uh, and, you know, I think the world would be better served in general if more like good-hearted people had an understanding for numbers in particular and like economic power like i noticed coming in freshman year yeah. there like a lot of my friends in the gov department were like bleeding heart people who wanted to go off and save the world and there was like this division between like the bleeding heart people and like the x snakes i'm sure you've heard the term like this the self-centered like mckinsey consultant x people and I just feel like it wouldn't be a bad thing if people in public service like understood self-interest and understood economic mechanisms more so than they do. Uh, you know, is there a reason why they don't right now? You know, I think. Well, I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone. I know there are lots of people with econ degrees working in public service, but I think like you know, I was in the gov department before the ec department, and a lot of us study like the theory of government, which includes like you know, power relations between governments, but we sort of, like, shrug at the free market arguments that the Act Department lives on. Like, especially, like, when Greg Mankiw talks, the entire Gov Department, I feel like, because it's left-leaning, is like, yeah, whatever. And that's fair, but uh, I also feel that, like, you know, understanding the economist perspective on the world is really helpful to making the world better. Uh, because at the end of the day, like, you know, economic well-being is what's going to allow people in, like, impoverished nations to have access to water and food and, like, medicine. And, like, you know, I think well, oftentimes at Harvard, because the political situation here is, is like, the ecosystem is so left-leaning, I think we sort of shun the idea that, like, economic, individual economic self-interest can go hand-in-hand hand with making the world better, uh, which I don't think is always true, but I do think is, like, sometimes true. Yeah. So anyway, that's one of the things I'm maybe, I mean, we'll see, but one of the things I would like to do after college is sort of use my econ degree to try to make life 
like economically and then by extension practically better for people living in conflict zones. Yeah, you know. Amazing. I mean, what has been a, a struggle for you during these three years you've been here? What has been a struggle? Yeah. Oh, I mean, there have been plenty, but definitely the biggest one was uh, like transitioning out of wanting to be a diplomat. So I came into Harvard, as I said, like studying international relations and gov and wanting to work, like wanting badly to work for the Foreign Service, the State Department, uh, and work in the Arab world, particularly in places affected by war, and try to make peace. Uh, and then I went to Palestine my freshman summer. I spent two months in the West Bank and my weekends in Israel and got to like see a conflict zone firsthand and learn Arabic. And it was by far the most incredible thing I've ever done. Yeah. What did you learn from that? Um, you know, I've, gosh, I learned a lot. I mean, I, um, obviously I learned a language and I met people uh, with really interesting personal stories, but I also got a perspective on like the Palestinian thoughts about how they're going to achieve freedom or if they're going to achieve freedom that I don't think you can get from American news or really any news. Uh, and I got to see, you know, the different political opinions that exist within Palestine, the way their government, to the extent that it can be called a government, operates. Uh, and I got to see the real, like, intense fear that exists in Israel, even amongst Israelis who I would consider kind people. Uh, and I also got to see just a ridiculous and painful like amount of oppression for the, from the, the Palestinian people on behalf of like the Palestinian government and the Israeli forces so you know and then I got to bring that all back here where I have both you know Palestinian and Arab diaspora friends and like Jewish or Israeli friends and sort of it definitely broadened my perspective yeah. but I also like learned a lot about myself like, uh, Palestine is one of the places where I would most love to make a positive change and, like, make people's lives better. But it's also super physically inaccessible to me as a wheelchair user. Like, in general, most places that need help don't have ramps and elevators. You know what I mean? Like, I could easily work in, like, Saudi Arabia or Qatar, which are wealthy Arab nations. But I don't really want to work in a place where everyone's already doing fine economically. I mean, Saudi Arabia could definitely use some help with, like, women's rights and civil liberties, uh, but the, the country is stable in a way that Palestine's not. And so after coming home from my freshman summer, I realized that my whole, like, plan since high school of taking a Harvard education and becoming, like, a, you know, peacemaker or someone who is helpful to people in conflict uh, wasn't really practical given my disability, which is the first time ever in my life that I've told myself, like, I might not want to do something because of the wheelchair. Like growing up, my parents, like party line was always, you know, you can do anything the other kids can do. It's just gonna take you extra time, you know, extra effort. And I really seriously believed that until like last year. And then I sort of, I still believe that to an extent, but I also acknowledge that I have like concrete limitations. And one of them is that it wouldn't be fulfilling for me to spend like four or five years trotting around the Middle East uh, in countries that aren't physically accessible, which was super sad. Uh, and it took me a long time to get over. And then eventually I just switched into the ec department and decided to be like more hands off, but hopefully still helpful, you know? Uh, but yeah, that was a huge struggle. Uh, it really forced me to like question my identity and what it meant to be disabled and what it meant to be me. Cause I think 
yeah. like almost without realizing it, I had built up as a point of pride that I had like overcome all these physical challenges and I was here at Harvard and like doing everything that everyone else does. Uh, and then that like whole value structure sort of came crashing down. Uh, that's what college is good for, you know, though. It like yeah. breaks down what you think about yourself and Have you been forces in a wheelchair you to. Your whole life? I mean, I can get out of it, like I can walk a little bit, but yeah, I've been disabled my whole life. I was uh, born nine weeks premature, and I have uh, cerebral palsy, which means that I like walk a little funny, I fall over a lot, I use the wheelchair to stop from getting tired, uh, and I'm in like pretty serious, pretty consistent physical pain, which has been hard to deal with. But uh, you know, I'm used to it at this point because I was born with it, uh, which I I consider a blessing. Like there wasn't an adjustment period, you know. I never really felt like I lost anything because I have nothing to compare this life to. And so like the first time I learned to surf, I learned to surf on a like adaptive board. And like the first time I learned to ski, I learned to ski in a chair. Whereas like lots of my friends in the disability community learned to do life and then had to like relearn how to do life because they got injured. Uh, and I, that wasn't my, my experience and that was, um, you know, I don't know. I, I think this way is better, but a lot of those people that I do know have like overcome those challenges and are great now you know yeah you strike me as someone it, it, it's not even a it doesn't seem to be it's not you you know like you are defined by so many other things and yeah and I think that's what's great at Harvard is also people they see you for you who you actually are you know, there's so, there's so many different stories and things that happen to people that it's like, at the end of the day, it's, it's what you can contribute. You, like, you seem to contribute so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I definitely think people see me for who I am here. Uh, I think, you know, obviously I'm not just the wheelchair kid, but it's a big part of who I am. Um, I think, you know, one of the best things about being here is you get to see you know, make connections with really interesting people. And I think everyone here is generally also looking for that. So it means that people you meet are not only exceptional and interesting and have powerful personal stories, but they're open to sharing them, in my experience. And so am I. Uh, and that's made for a super great, like, two and a half years here. Uh, you know, definitely one of the things that I'm going to miss once we leave college is, like, how much people just expect this time in their lives to be about like leveling with their friends and having real conversations, which, you know, I hope that stays true when I leave college, but it's, it's not like a feature of adult life so much as it is college life. Yeah. I'm curious, who's someone that has been really influ influential in your life and really shaped the way you, you think about things? Shaped the way I think about things? That's an interesting question. Yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of the way that I think about things has been handed down with very slight adjustment from my father. Because, like, obviously, all my family members have been influential to me in one way or another, and I have several teachers as well who have changed my thinking. But uh, I think, like, who is responsible for the way that I contextualize the world up until this point? It's mostly dad. Uh, like, a feature of my childhood is that we would, like, 
you know, he was a very, a very hands-on parent, didn't work for several years when we were little, like, uh, because he was in a position not to, which was really nice. And one of the things I remember most is that, like, you know, we would always... I, I felt, as a kid, a little bit uh, disconnected because I wasn't at a place like Harvard that was intellectually stimulating and encouraged intelligence, and I felt like the odd duck being someone who, like, thrived on conversation and thrived on, like, the stuff you would typically associate with school. And so my dad, all the time when I was little, you know, he would put me to bed and we would have these, like, what felt to me, like, at the time, like, big talks about life and, like, the larger questions in our family and myself and, like, identity. Uh, and he was a big believer in the idea that, like, being very honest with yourself and seeing who you are and then surrounding yourself with people who are also honest with you on that dimension is how you, like, become strong, become sure, and, uh, you know, that, he built that into me. And so we would have these big talks about, like, life lessons. And we, I, I was never raised, like, religious or anything. or ha So this was where my value system mostly came from. And then, obviously, I've amended that, like, meeting other people and throughout experiences in my life, you know. Uh, but several of those lessons are still, like so deeply ingrained into me that like I won't even realize they're there and then I'll get into a particular situation and it'll just like dad will snap yeah. into mind you know uh, I wish I could give you a concrete example but I really I really remember it most only when I need to you know yeah, that's a similar thing that happens to me you don't really know that the advice is worthy or, or that it's valid or whatever maybe you crush it to the side when you hear it initially and then a situation will come up in which that advice comes back and you're like, oh, that's what he meant. That's what she meant. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Yeah. <clears throat> I think honestly, like, only since coming to college have I had that same experience. Well, that's not true. I did have sometimes in high school, but more frequently since coming to college, I've had that same experience with friends of mine, which I hope continues into adulthood, where, you know, just in the course of casual conversation, friends who I respect will reveal something about how they see the world and I will have that same experience I would have with like a parent where I go like you know it just blows your mind in that moment because it's so contrary to what you came into the conversation with and it changes the way you think from then on yeah. uh, so I've had a couple friends do stuff like do, make significant change in my thinking since coming to college uh, and that's been really rewarding and wonderful yeah that's something I really struggle with coming here there, like you said, there's all these different perspectives, yeah. and uh, someone, even maybe not the view, but just the way they carry themselves, you're not exposed to it, right? And so it can be threatening to your identity, and then you, little, you dig a little deeper. You're like, oh, okay, that that, she's that way because of this. He's that way because of this. Yeah, I think it's just understanding more instead of judging. That I mean, that's something that I feel I'm getting better at. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think understanding where people's motivations come from and where their identities come from is, is valuable, like, to not feeling threatened. But I like what you said about, like, sometimes it's not even an expressed view, it's just how they carry themselves. Yeah. Because sometimes before someone says anything, I can tell that they're a different type of person than I've met before. And, like, coming to college, I honestly was like, I didn't realize there were this many options for, for like, types of people to be. You know what I mean? So it's definitely changed who I am in that sense. Uh, but you're right, it is a little bit scarier. Especially because I come from, like, 
of I, so I live in I'm from Hawaii mm-hmm. I live in like the most geographically isolated place ever and in the countryside of Hawaii everyone shares like a lot of characteristics in common and politically we're almost all the same and like so yeah it was very much like it's super racially diverse and there is a difference of perspectives in Hawaii but like on the things that were core values to me uh-huh. Almost everyone around me also had those core values, I felt like. And I felt really connected to everyone uh, effortlessly. Whereas at college, like, it would be delusional to think that everyone around you shares your core values, you know. Uh, But that's been cool because I get to learn new things. But it's also, like you said, a little bit threatening at first. Yeah. (coughs) Sorry. Um, No, you're good. (coughs) Sorry. So who... No. What's something you tell yourself? Knowing what you know now, maybe before you even came into high school, when you're still trying to figure out more of who you were, what you tell your, What would you tell yourself? I mean, you know, what's funny is I've gotten this question at several points in my life, and the thing I would tell myself never changes, because I feel like it's one of the things that I need to just keep stressing to myself or at least for the last several decades or several years it's been something that I need to keep stressing to myself which is just to like not stress about it so much because I feel like the journey I've been on finding out who I am and getting sure footing at Harvard and in life in general has been like rewarding and good and I, I wouldn't change the path so much but I feel like I also could have gone on this same path while putting myself through a lot less mental stress like, you know, this place is busy and there are certain stressors that are, like, external and out of your control. But I also feel like maybe this is true for you. I think it's true for a lot of us. Definitely true for me. Where, like, there's the stress that Harvard puts on me. And then, you know, something like ten times that is the stress that I put on myself that's, like, strictly optional. And even in high school, like, my high school environment was much more chill than this one. And I would put so much stress on myself to do well. And I would always make it seem... To, my, to me like it was the end of the world even though I knew it wasn't and like nothing is the end of the world here you know what I mean like we're going to graduate from a respected institution like everything is going to work out and like I firmly believe that one day I'll have the things that I want but from day to day like especially academically I tend to like live and die with successes uh, and it's just like not good for my mental health but it's also not like helpful to doing well academically like I feel like if I was less stressed about it, I would also do better. Uh, so yeah, like the one thing I would tell myself, high school, middle school, even elementary school, is just to like calm way down and like take a moment to like look at the sunset and enjoy life because like I miss my friends from home and like I could have stood to spend a couple more hours with them, and, like a couple, few less hours on AP homework, you know? Yeah. I think that's funny a lot of people have a similar sentiment and, and, and I, I think it, it means that there's some truth to that honestly yeah. yeah I think that's one of the things about Harvard because like like we said everyone's different here but I also think that like to get to this place you have to be you know both interesting and on paper successful and so a large proportion of us were that kid in high school who like you know, worked hard to the detriment of themselves and was maybe a little bit type A and a little bit, like, self-critical. And so when I talk about, like, past struggles with being overly self-critical, 
the number of voices I get from friends who are like, yeah, that was me too, because like that's how you end up here. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm happy I'm here, but I don't think I needed to be that way to get here. Uh, I think I could have been just as successful without like keeping that personal flaw around so long. Uh, so yeah, I would tell myself to knock that off. Oh yeah. But I'm not sure if I would listen to myself. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Hey man. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to share? Advice, uh, advice you have for others? Gosh, I mean, advice I have for others. Anyone. You know, for anyone, like the most generally applicable advice I, I can have is like, you know, I feel like when we give advice to like our past selves or other people who are in situations that we used to be in, like it might be helpful, but you don't really need that advice because you made it through. And so like they will too, you know? And so, yeah, I think like the only generally applicable advice I have is like whatever it is that you're working through in this moment, like know that it will eventually be survived. And then just, like, allow that knowledge that, like, it's eventually going to be okay to allow you to detach from it a little bit and do the thing you want to do, like, go for coffee or go surfing or whatever it is you enjoy. Uh, I think my brother embodied that philosophy a lot more so than I did growing up. And he's one of the people I most admire because of it. Uh, You know, like, just really manifested the things he enjoyed into his life. And then now he has that life and he sticks with it. And, you know very much didn't put additional stress on himself unnecessarily so yeah that'd be my advice be a little bit more like Max McKinley uh, who I idolize a little bit because of that man that was great thank you so much for talking hey thank you this is is so interesting this project you're doing like I love you know we were just talking about how the best thing about college is meeting people and hearing their perspectives and I love that you've sort of made a project out of that so that you have like an excuse to be much more active with it than you otherwise would be uh, and it's fun for me to like live vicariously through you by listening to like people's thoughts you know on the pod yeah oh yeah well you're on it now man they get to listen to you yeah well I don't know if I'll listen to myself that seems a little bit like vain 